Well, good morning. So good to see you guys. I want to welcome everybody who watched online, especially our Grayson campus. Come on, can we get up for our Grayson campus? Yes. This is a very special day because Grayson hasn't had the opportunity to participate in a supply drive Sunday. Normally, we don't share that we're doing a supply drive. You come in next thing you know, you like church, and then bam, it's a supply drive Sunday. And we kind of like a shock and awe moment. But we let you guys know in advance that we're going to bless our communities today. And if you're visiting with us or new or watching online or gracing for the very first time, I know that this is like, what is supply drive? What is it all about? How did this get birthed in us? Well, we decided when we started this church that we want to be a church that blesses our community. And we knew that someday that we will launch a campus, start another church, and we want to be a, a, a church that, you know, that we are one church in two locations. And in both locations, how do we bless the community around us? And so it has been in us since day one that we just want to show generosity and compassion to our communities and just bless them. In fact, we want to be such a big blessing to our communities that if we decided to move the church into a different location, that the cities would beg us to stay because God's people had such an impact on the community. Would that be amazing? And that would happen if we would just step up and be the church that God has called us to be. And that's what this Sunday is. It's a very special Sunday. It's Supply Drive Sunday. Just hang tight. I'll tell you what that means just in a moment and how you get to participate in reaching the masses and reaching people around us. Can't wait for that. But if you have your Bibles, real quick, let's jump into John chapter 6. This is just a story. If you've been in church, Sunday school, whatever, I know you've been very familiar with this story. If not, you probably have heard about this story. And I just want to walk through this and share with you a few uh, different perspectives from maybe from Jesus' perspective, from a historical context, from a Jewish perspective, from the little boy's perspective, from the disciples' perspective. And what does that actually mean to you today? How does the story 2,000 years ago that we believe inspired by God that we have in front of us to read this story, how does it apply to us today? And it's a story about Jesus feeding the 5,000. Now, what's very fascinating about this story is that it's found in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You know, that's very unique because not all the stories are in every one of the Gospels because they're writing through their lens. They're writing from their perspective. So this story that we believe is very significant for a reason. And a lot of times we'll read this story, we'll look over like, okay, God did a great miracle, but what does that have to do with me. And so I'm going to walk you through this and share these perspectives, kind of be like a little inductive Bible study, and, but then we're going to have some application and then we get to go practice what we preach. We get to go be the church that God has called us to be. So if you're ready to get started, so let's go. All right, here we go. John chapter 6, starting in verse 2. A huge crowd kept following him. Who is him? This is Jesus. So the crowd was following Jesus. Wherever he went, why would they follow him wherever he went? Let's just keep reading. Because they saw his miraculous sign as he healed the sick. Now you imagine, right, that anytime you get sick, go to Jesus, he heals you. Wouldn't that be awesome? You get a runny nose, God bless you, you're done, right? I mean, it's amazing, right? Your kid gets a scratch, a boo-boo, he touches, boom, it's gone. Like, why would you not want to be around Jesus? Then Jesus climbed a hill and he sat down with his disciples around him. It's nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. So they're getting preparation to prepare for the Passover and the things to come. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. They were all looking for Jesus. He turns to Philip and he asks, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? Now, all these people are about 5,000 men. Women and children were not numbered and included in this. So scholars will tell you there's somewhere right between maybe 15 to 25,000 people, that's a lot of people, are making their way looking for Jesus. Jesus is up on this hill, he's sitting with his disciples, and he looks at the people, and he's wanting to test 
the faith of the disciples. He wants to test them. And I'm going to show you this in a moment. Look what he says. He said, Philip, where we can we buy bread for all these people? And he was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. And sometimes we're like, Jesus, can you just go to tell us, <laughs> right? I know what I'm going to do. Well, tell me, right? Help me. I know where you're going to work. Well, tell me where I'm going to work, right? I know you're going to marry. Please tell me who that is, right? I mean, come on. Like, Jesus, tell me, right? He already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months and months, we wouldn't have enough food to feed them. They couldn't even take a bite of crumbs. We cannot afford, we don't have enough. That's the theme through this passage. We don't have enough to feed them. Then Andrew, this is Peter's brother, he spoke up and he said, there's a young boy here, five barley loaves and a bread and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Jesus, we don't have enough. And then Jesus says, tell everyone to sit down. So they will sit down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. That was just the men. Only the men were included in that count. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, distributed them to the people. And afterward, he did the same thing with the fish. And they all ate as much as they wanted. Now, the Bible don't, the Bible don't tell us how the miracle was happening. Like in my mind, you know, as a Bible study student, I'm thinking about this. I imagine Jesus takes the bread, he breaks the bread, and he gives the bread to the disciples. And he says, now take this, Peter, and take this loaf of bread and go give it to that group of 50 that's sitting down right there. Say what? Yeah, I bless the bread. Now take that bread, what I've given you, and now you go and bless those people over there. And you go and break the bread and hand it to them. Okay, Jesus. Now, could you imagine Peter walking over and there's 50 hungry, you know, 50, they're hangry. I mean, I mean, they're hangry, right? They're hungry and you got kids that are hungry and, and he's looking at this loaf of bread going, I don't think this is going to work. And he reaches down and he takes the bread that Jesus has blessed and broken, gave him, and he breaks the bread and he hands it to somebody sitting there in a circle of 50. And then like the bread's not going away and he hands it you know, to another person, and the bread is still like replenishing itself. The Bible don't tell us how that miracle happened. I know Peter probably went like this. Oh my gosh, this is working. One for you, one for you, two for me, you know, and then one for you, and then one for you, and two more for me. And the bread did not go away, and there was enough out of the five loaves and the food, two fish to feed 5,000 men plus the women and children, which we don't know the exact number, but we can guess that there were thousands and thousands of people on five loaves and two fish. We don't understand. We don't see how the miracle was done because the miracle is not the focus of the story. And so they picked up verse 12. This is fascinating. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftovers so nothing is wasted. So they picked up every pieces, all the pieces, and filled 12 baskets with the scraps with the leftover by the people who had eaten. Watch this. Here's the story. But you thought there was not enough. Five barley loaves. Now this is an amazing story. We believe that it's an important story for God to have in all four gospels account that he wants us to understand this. And so what I want to do is share with you just from a few perspectives and then how we can apply this today and go be the church that God has called us to be. The first I want to, I want to share this from Jesus' perspective. Jesus was testing the disciples. Jesus was testing. This was a setup. Jesus was setting up Philip. He was setting up the disciples. And he's like, how are we going to um, have enough 
to feed these people because he's going to teach them a story. You remember back on Easter, and I talked about on Easter weekend, we talked about Nicodemus and how Nicodemus was trained up to be a rabbi, and they called him rabbi, and he had all this education. Jesus, in the same way, was teach up. He was a rabbi. And any time that a rabbi would sit down and have a teaching with the disciples, the disciples knew to dissect every single word because the disciple, because the rabbi would have certain meaning in the words when he taught this his pupil or when he taught them so when jesus sits around with the 12 on a hill this is a teaching moment that jesus wants to instill into his disciples and to his pupils and he says how are we going to feed all these people why because this is a setup jesus knew exactly what he was going to do because he has a point he wants to make in this story now from a jewish perspective if you're sitting there there are a few things when you read through the scripture that mean something to you, that today doesn't mean anything to us on this side in the Western world. Numbers were very important to Jews. Certain numbers. We know that seven, right? The number seven means whole. It means complete. God rested on the seventh day. There's something unique about that. There's something whole about that. And so the Bible knows that. There's something unique about one. When you hear the one, one, it was the one true God. That don't really mean anything to us. But if we were Jews in the first century at this time in the context, it would mean something to us. Anytime you hear the number five, your mind automatically goes to the Torah, which is the first five books of the, of the Bible, which was the book of Moses. So five was indoctrinated in the society in your mind. When you heard the word two, if something was talked about in two, your mind would go to the two tablets of the law of Moses that brought down from Mount Sinai, that he had the two tablets. These are numbers that would stick to you. Today, it doesn't mean anything to us when we read. But if we put ourselves in the context, in the story, which I love to do that, if you want the Bible to come alive to you, put yourself in that situation. Put yourself in this story. If you were sitting there and next thing you know, you got wind that there were only five loaves and two fish and how God fed everybody. Now, the disciples realized that the rabbi Jesus was trying to teach them something. What do you mean by five and two? See, there's so much significant about this. The five loaves in the story, isn't this fascinating? They talk about the five books of, of Moses, that, that this is what they said, that's all that we need is the law. And then the two tablets here was the law that came down from outside to a Jew, that's all you needed. And what Jesus is trying to let them know, that's not enough. And we see this permeate all through this story here. And if you say the five and the two is seven, and they thought it whole, that means it's seven, right? Five first books of the Bible, the two tablets equals seven. This is a whole. The law of Moses is all that we need. And Jesus has a story to turn their whole perspective like it is not enough. Philip, where are we going to get this? I don't know. We don't have enough. That's right. Andrew said, here's five loaves, there's two. He says, thank you, Andrew. I already knew this was happening. I knew this was coming. Because in your perspective, you think this is all that you need. But it's not. It is not enough. And if you'll skip down into John chapter 6, verse 22, it's not on the screen. You know this story because Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. The very next day, the people were looking for Jesus. And they come up to Jesus, and what do they say? They look at him and say, Rabbi, where have you been? We have been looking for you. Why? Because we are hungry. And Jesus says, you missed the miracle. You thought I'm only here to feed your belly. You thought I was here just to put food within you. You missed the miracle. You missed that I am the bread of life. I'm the one that gives eternal life. 
and I am all that you need. You put your faith in Moses and the law and the tablets and the first five books. That's great. I come to fulfill the law. I am all you need. And all of a sudden, if we're a Jew at this time, our mind goes back to Moses in the wilderness when God allowed manna to fall from heaven. And every day God provided every single day for his people. Two million people walking through the desert wandering homeless looking for something to eat and God provided manna but they were so focused on Moses they didn't say that you can read in John chapter 6 they said Moses gave us manna and Jesus says Moses did not give you manna my father God gave you manna and I am greater than Moses because I am God that's a good place to say amen and, and he says, because this is where we get, we, I am the bread of life. Remember when Moses goes to the burning bush and he's sitting there talking and he goes and, and he goes and meets God and says, God, I'm going to go back to Pharaoh and what's your name? Who do I tell them sent me? He says, tell them that I am sent you. This is one of the I am's in, in John chapter 6 where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He says, you missed the story. I am greater than Moses. I am more than the law. I'm more than the first five books. I'm more than the two tablets that came down. And we know this is a significant because in the end of the passage, he said there were 12 basketfuls. Jesus don't do this without intentionality. And he wants you to know that as the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 baskets, I, Jews, listen to me, I am all that you need. I am more than enough. And that is the focus of the story, not the miracle because if it was a miracle, we would figure out how the miracle happened. He was testing them to let the disciples know and the Jews know, I'm all that you need. I'm all that you need in your life. And when you read through that, now you start to see from a different perspective, especially from the disciples' perspective. And then when you read through, your, when there's read through the scripture, what Jesus is trying to teach the disciples is what really he's trying to teach me and what he's trying to teach you. So if you look at this from, a G, from the disciples' perspective, here's the first thing that we learned. Just a few things, and then we're going to go bless our communities. Here's the first one. Never judge your problems by the lack of your resources. We do this all the time. Jesus, I don't have enough. I don't have enough courage. I don't have enough strength. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough patience to raise these kids. I don't have enough, and you fill in the blank. I don't have enough. And Jesus wants you to know he knows that. But he is enough. He is what you need. He can fulfill anything in your life. With Jesus, you have all that you need. So let me ask you this this morning. What in your life do you lack? And not only do you lack, you hide behind it as an excuse not to blank. I'm not good enough, so I don't serve. I don't know enough, so I don't teach. I don't make enough, so I don't give. I'm not good enough, so I cannot go out and bless people. What do you lack in your life that you hide behind? We all have things in our life that go, I'm just not enough in some areas of my life. And we cannot, listen, judge our problem that we're seeing us just because we don't have the resources. Jesus says, I have all the resources. I just need you to believe it. That I can use you to change the world. That I can use you to change your family tree. That I can use you to even change the people around you. Jesus is enough. We can say this out of church. We, 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 we've always been in a deficit that we don't have enough. We don't have enough to reach our community. 
We don't have enough staff to take care of stuff. We've always in a mindset been in a deficit. Like we did, for nine and a half years, we were portable. We did not have a facility for nine and a half years. And we would give hundreds of thousands of dollars away to missions and church planning and to community partners. And they would ask us, why do you give so much money away and you don't even have a building? Because with Jesus, we have all that we need. And so he's all, he's enough. And he's always provided. He's always brought the manna when the manna needed. Moses didn't provide the manna. God provided. And that's why he's trying to re, re, change the perspective of the, of the Jews at that time. Is I'm all that, you know, and that's what he's trying to teach us today. What you lack with Jesus is enough. And stop hiding behind your lack of resources, your lack of courage, your lack of knowledge, your lack of funds, whatever your lack of skills, your lack of gift. And say, if Jesus said it, he called me, he's invited me with him, it's all that I need. And now once you see this from the boy's perspective, here's the second thing. Put yourself in position for God to use you greatly. Put yourself in position for God to use you greatly. Let me tell you something about this little boy. He's a nobody. He wasn't even included in the count of men of 5,000. He was overlooked, overcounted. This little boy was a nobody. In fact, we know based on his lunch sack, his little Long John Silver's L3 that he's carrying with him, five loaves and two fish, that it's a poverty dish. This is a, very, it's a peasant boy. This is a very poor, poor nobody to society. But if there are thousands, 5,000 men, which is another significant number we didn't get into, and they sit him down in the grass of 50s and 100s and 10s, which is another significant number as he goes back to Moses, if you remember when Jethro comes to him and says, hey, you're wearing yourself out. You are not enough for the people. And he's divided people into 100s and 10s and 50s to delegate responsibility. Jesus is taking them back to that moment and go, Moses was not enough, but I am enough. And changing their perspective in this text. And you see this from the boy's count. He is overlooked and nobody, not even counted. An imperfect little boy that God wants used to perform an unbelievable miracle. But here is the, here's the whole premises of this. Out of thousands and thousands of people, he was close to Jesus. He was close enough for Jesus for Andrew to take him and say, but Jesus, here's all that we have. As if Andrew went through 25,000 or five to 15,000 people examining everyone's lunch sack. He took the quick way out and goes, see Jesus, I'm telling you, we don't have enough. Five loaves, two fish. And then Jesus says, sit down, I'm gonna do a miracle. And if you're asking yourself, if you wanna put yourself in position for God to use your greatly, real quick, these are not on the screen. Here's some three things I'd even ask myself that I would ask you right now. Number one, am I close to Jesus? Like, are you close to Jesus? Well, pastor, I showed up for church on Sunday. Are you close to him? Are you walking with him? See, those who get in a posture that are close to Jesus is the one that Jesus wants to use. That is your choice. You are as close to Jesus as you want to be. If you see like, well, God is not close to me, run to him. He is always here. You are as close to Jesus as you choose to be, as you want to be. And if you want to be in position to be used by God greatly, you need to get close to Jesus. That's the first one. The second question, am I willing to surrender all that I have to Jesus? And if I went around and asked you, you would say yes. But really? 
As the old hymn says, all to Jesus, I surrender. And we sing it, we'll shout it. Surrender, I surrender all. Right? I surrender all. But don't tell me how to raise my kids. But I surrender all. I surrender all, but don't you tell me what job I have to have. No, no, no. I got that. My, I, I don't, I don't want to surrender that in my career and how I do that. God, I surrender all, but I ain't going to tithe. I definitely ain't going to trust you with my finances. I ain't going to, don't touch my money. But you say, I, I surrender all. Well, it sounds good in church. It sounds good when you wave your hanky. But when you go and you have to actually practice that, will you surrender? Jesus didn't take this boy's lunch from him. We don't have the conversation, but we know the character of God and the character of Jesus enough to know that I bet Jesus scooped down and said, do you mind if I borrow your five loaves and two fish, little boy? And the little boy gave it to him. And he surrendered, this peasant little poor boy, surrendered every single thing he had because what Jesus knew that he didn't know is I'm about to fill your belly up, bro, like you've never ate before until you found her. Because the Bible says they ate all that they wanted to eat and everyone was full, even the little boy who gave up everything. See, we miss that principle. We sit here and we want God to bless, but we won't surrender. Will you surrender everything to him? Everything I have is yours at your disposal. And trust God to use you greatly. And then the third one says, am I trusting that he will use me? Like, do I really trust that God's going to use me? And I know what you're saying, you're saying, but pastor, you, I'm the least likely God will use. Really? I'm a nobody. I've got a past. I've messed up. I'm not perfect. But God still wants to use you. You see, we see our little and we disregard it. Jesus sees our little and he says, just offer it. Is that all you have? With what you have and me is enough. It's enough. Bring the lack of resources you have and watch me use you greatly. Because if you trust him then, and here's my third and last one, then I want to encourage you we see this. Then accept God's invitation to participate in blessing the people around you. This little boy accepted the invitation. Can I have your lunch? Let me borrow it. And he responded to the invitation and he said yes. And he was used, overlooked, nobody, not even counted in the number to participate in the blessing of the people around him. All because some little poor little peasant boy trusted Jesus enough, surrendered to Jesus enough, was close to Jesus to be used by. And here's what I know, God wants to use you. God wants to use you to reach this county. God wants to use you to reach Carter County. God wants you to reach this Bath County and the surrounding counties all around us and we can get so caught up in focusing on needs that we miss the greater need of what Jesus wants to do in our life and through us which is eternal life for everyone around us so we need to go and be the church that he's called us to be we need to reach our cities and you may say how do we reach our cities we reach our cities one person at a time we do this one person at a time we do this by showing compassion and generosity now folks listen the need is great and what happens is there's so many people in need so many people in need that sometimes you will shut down because you're overwhelmed and you realize I can't make a difference 
Like I can't help everyone. As a church, we can't help every single person. We want to, but it's not physically possible to do that. And so a long time ago before we started the church, or right when we started the church, seeing the need, this, let me speak this individually, that my wife and I wanted to help and bless people. And we keep seeing all the needs and we realize we, we don't even have enough resources to help everyone that has a need. And all of a sudden, I would sit there and, and kind of beat myself up because I, I couldn't help everyone. And then one day, it just, I don't know, just, maybe the Lord just spoke this to me or just I heard it or I don't know exactly how it happened in my life. But the thought was, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. I can't help everyone, but I can't help one. I can't impact everyone, but I may be able to impact one. I don't have enough resources for everyone, but I do have enough resources for one. And do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. And that became kind of this model of our church when we begin to bless people and help people. We, we don't have the resources to help everyone, but we can help someone. We can make a difference and Jesus can take our little and he can take that to impact hundreds, if not thousands of people. And that's what we're going to do. And so there are needs around us in Bath County and Carter County and Round County. And we've done, we've done different types of supply drives in the past for different types of organizations. But one that we see a need, we've prayed through this, we've interviewed this, and we see a need, is that we see a need in our school's resource centers for children who don't have exactly the means they need when they go back to school. And so what we're going to do is in even Bath County and Carter County and Round County, we're going to hit some of the resource centers today. We're going to give them supplies so they can go ahead and calculate this into their next school year budget that we have already as a church provided for kids who don't have the need. You're like, well, why do we do this now? So it helps them plan how to use the money that they do have. And there's kids that we get to help that don't get backpacks, that don't get school supplies, that don't have the clothes, that don't have snacks. Some of the kids, and this is sad to say, in all of our surrounding counties, the only time they ever eat is when they go to school. And this is happening in our backyard. We have to be the people of God to go after and help people, especially the Bible talks about the poor and the children and the widows and those that can't help themselves. We're here to bless them in some form or fashion for the be the church. And this is one of the greatest days that we get to display that that we get to go be the church. And so what's gonna happen is this. Right now our auditorium team is gonna come and they're gonna pass out a basket. And in that basket is an envelope. I'm asking every single one of you take one envelope. Just take one, every single one of you. Pick up one envelope. And here's what you're gonna find inside of that envelope. Number one, you're gonna find a, a list of supplies that the resource center that you got needs. You're gonna find that. Now, I know what some of you are saying. Some of you here, you cannot buy everything on that list. It's okay. But you can one thing. Some of you can look at that list and you can buy everything on that list 10 times. Awesome. Do it. If God has blessed you that way and position to do that. Some of you here today and you're like, Pastor Daniel, honestly, I don't even have the means to go even buy supplies to help people. Well, guess what? We're helping you. And everyone's envelope, there's an amount of money that we put in your envelope to help you to go so that you can buy something to make a difference. Even when you don't have the means to do it, today the Lord has used this church to provide the means into your hands so that you could go be the blessing to break bread for other people. And you're like, Why? what do you mean a church gives back money to the people? It's His money. We want to bless the people so that you could go be a blessing to our community. 
So no one has an excuse in here not to participate. Everyone right now has the means to go and make a difference in someone's life. At both of our locations, in Grayson and here in Moorhead. So if you'll take that envelope, open up that envelope, you will have instructions in there. Here's a list of supplies and the location. Here's a little bit of money to go help you be a blessing. Go to the Dollar General, the Dollar Tree, the Walmart, wherever you want to go where you can find resources. But here's what you need to know. This needs to be dropped off today by 2 p.m. at your location. So if I would encourage you, go ahead now and do it. Or, hey, you get to go beat the crowd, go get you some good scrub, you know, go eat good. And then take your family. And listen when I say this, take your family. Go get your kids. Let them walk through and ask mom, dad, what are we doing? We are being a blessing, son. The Lord has blessed us to bless our communities. And guess what? We get to do this. Let them understand this. Get, let this be a teaching lesson to your children, how that we can bless the people around us. That we are a church that wants to bless this community. And I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you say, but Pastor Ben, really, I'm a nobody. Here's what I want to encourage you. Never judge your problems by the lack of your resources. Put yourself in position for God to use you greatly. Here's one position. You came today and you got in position today for God to use you in some form or fashion. Accept this invitation. God is inviting you to participate in blessing the people around us. You get to be part of that today. You get to go be the church today. You get to participate. No matter if you have a little means, if you have a lot of means, doesn't matter. You get to be a blessing to someone. And I love this. I'm going to close with this verse. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. This is the message paraphrase. This is not a translation. This is just a paraphrase, like a story phrase of the verses. But when I read this, I love the way this puts it. And I think this is so appropriate for ending this time together this morning. Look what he says in verse 26. Take a good look, friends, at who you were when God called you into this life. Remember who you used to be before you met Jesus? Take a good look how he's changed you. I don't see many of the brightest and the best among you. Not many influential, not many of the high society families. Isn't it obvious that God deliberately chooses men and women that the culture overlooks, exploits, abuse, and calls these people nobody? The little boy wasn't even included in the number. Peasant, poor little boy, a nobody. See, everyone overlooks the nobodies that God exposes the hollow pretensions of the somebodies. That makes it quite clear that none of you can get by with blowing your own horn before God, which means it's not about you, it's about Him. Everything that we have, right thinking, right living, clean slate, fresh start, comes from God, by the way, through Jesus. That's why we have this saying, if you're going to blow your horn, what it says in this passage, if you're going to boast, boast unto the Lord. That's the passage. But the paraphrase of it, I love this. If you're going to blow a horn, don't blow your own horn. Go blow a trumpet for God. If you're going to boast about what God is doing, boast in Him. Not in you. Not in the church. Not in our generosity. Boast in Him. So I love this. If you're going to blow a horn, go blow a trumpet for God. And that's what we're doing today. We get to go in our communities and blow a loud trumpet for God saying we are His people. We want to bless you. We want to serve you. We want to be generous to you. And we want to make a difference in our community. So let's go and let's be the church that He's called us to be. I'm going to ask if you would to bow your head. 
Maybe the Lord has spoken to you at both of our locations today. And you realize that this God is so generous and he is so worthy to be praised that you want to yield your heart and give your life to him today. I just encourage you right where you are, you can receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible says if you will confess with your mouth that he is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For the mouth you confess, but the heart you believe. And so saying a prayer don't save you, but your lips can proclaim what your heart believes. And today, if your heart believes that Jesus Christ is Lord and you've never given your life to him, come on. What an unbelievable day. He proved in our passage that Jesus is all that you need. He's enough. Every every area of your life you lack with Jesus, he's enough. And one area that we like is that we can't earn salvation, but Jesus is enough if we put our faith in him. So would you cry out to him right where you sit to say, Jesus, I believe you came for me, you died for me, you got up out of the grave for me. And today I repent of my sin and I put my faith in you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving someone like me, a nobody that wants to use me to reach everybody. And if that's you and you cried out to the Lord, we want to encourage you to take your next step by going to the next step area. We love for just that. Let us know that we could celebrate and give you a resource. Have you given your life to Jesus today? And we're going to celebrate. And for everyone else, we're going to go be the church. So go, take your family, be a blessing to our communities. Because we really believe, one, you can outgive God. But two, that the best is yet to come. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for your generosity. We thank you that you are so generous that you gave your only son who died in our place. And God, you have blessed us through your generosity to be a blessing to the people around us. God, we don't have all the resources we need, but we know with you we have all that we need. So God, take the little that we have today, take the little that we give today, and Father, multiply it to reach the masses. God, we cannot wait to see what you're going to do. We love you, Jesus. For your name we ask and we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us online today. If while watching this message, you were led to take a next step or made the decision to start following Jesus, we would love to celebrate with you. Let us know on our website at betterlife.church slash next steps. To stay connected throughout the week, download the Better Life app and consider subscribing to our YouTube channel or podcast. Lastly, if you would like to support what God is doing through this ministry, you can give online at betterlife.church slash give now. We're praying you have a great week and hope to see you again soon.